Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from Sweet Recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. And uh, to tell us a little more about Sweet Recording is my friend, the owner of Sweet Recording and the producer of the Coop Tank, Joe Ganjemi. Tell us, take it away, Joe. Thanks, Coop. Hi, everyone. This is Joe Ganjemi from Sweet Recording. At Sweet Recording, we help brands, businesses, and organizations to launch podcasts and YouTube channels of their own. From your podcast episodes, we can then create social media content and all kinds of good stuff. Um, it's a really efficient way to approach your digital marketing. And on top of that, we also offer mobile recording to record you on the go, live streaming, and we can even build you a studio of your own. So if you're interested in learning more, you can contact us anytime at hello at sweetrecording.com or visit us on the web at sweetrecording.com. Again, that's S-U-I-T-E. Take it away, Coop. Thanks, Joe. I always I put him on the spot. He just started doing that last week, and I always a little nervous. I said I had to tell him I'm doing it because I want to see him have him back there asleep. I'm going, oh my god, I got to get on. Anyway, we have a great show. We have a few people I've met through the years. They're they're all from different areas, and it's great. And our first guest is from So Productive. It's Sarah Ohanison. Hey, Sarah, I how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. And next from Rowan College of South Jersey, we have Candice Rossiti. Hi. Thank you. And the man from JDAQA with a very good podcast called First Customer Podcast. We have Jay Agner. How you doing, Jay? Steve, thanks for having me on, buddy. Appreciate it. I had to ask them all how to spell their name, how to pronounce their names, because they're a little bit different, and I don't want to sit there and screw it up, because that's a big sign. Anyway, I want to find out what you guys do, and we're going to start with you, Sarah. Tell us more about So Productive. Yeah, absolutely. So So Productive is a productivity consulting firm. And what, what does a productivity consultant do? That means we come in and we help both individuals and teams to get more done during their workday. And why do we do that? Well, because I'm on a mission to fight burnout. And I really believe that too many people are stressed at work, spending too much time at work and missing key moments with their families. So I want to help people get more done during the day so they can get home and have time to rest and unwind and be with the people that they love. How about you, Candace? Tell us more about what you do. Thank you. Well, first, Sarah, I'm going to talk to you after about hiring you personally, um, <laughs> because I work for Rome College, South Jersey, um, and my goal has uh, changed a couple of times recently. And so now I'm looking um, really to work with students and reach them where they are, help them figure out who they want to become, what that career path looks like. And a lot of them are, you know, confused, unsure. They switch majors, um, you know, and we work to get them prepared to be somewhat professional, put them in an internship, help them get a job when they graduate. Um, and then also look to find employers that are hiring that recent grad or that entry-level staff, um, and they might need an additional certificate, or they might need like an advanced degree. And so since we're connected to Rowan University, I tell all employers that I run into, um, you know, how can we help you get the skill set or the degree for the people you're hiring so they stay? Right. And they they work through that succession plan and they're retained at the company, because, as you know, hiring is really difficult right now. OK. And how about you, Jay? Tell us about JDAQA. So we uh, help custom software development shops, SaaS companies uh, with their software testing. So uh, a lot of companies don't want to deal with the browsers and devices. And, oh, my God, how do we make sure this thing doesn't explode when a bunch of people uh, log on to it or download it? So uh, mm -hmm. that's that's what we help people do. we got a team. Um, uh, here in the United States and the Philippines, and we kind of provide affordable 
um, you know, strategy, implementation, people and processes uh, for, for testing for, for software companies. Okay, so all of you don't have like the normal job. You know, you're not selling insurance, you're not doing stockbroking, you're not doing this, you're not doing whatever, selling shoes, whatever. How did you get to where you are? Because I always wonder, it always fascinates me when people have different jobs. I know Jay has a good, so we're gonna start with you, Jay, because I know you have a good story. You had told me this before, but how did you get to the position that you hold now? Uh, by being a bad programmer. Uh, I went to school to be a programmer and uh, I wasn't great at it. And so, you know, I got to use my background to be a tester instead. Um, and so I went down the path of being a QA guy and then eventually, um, you know, I was trying to figure out how do I make more money in the same amount of time during the day. Got, uh, I was applied for Uber. My license was from Virginia where I'm from originally and I got turned down for Uber. Uh, so I couldn't even drive for Uber. I was like trying anything I could do. My wife's an overnight nurse. Um, and eventually just found online consulting doing uh, QA stuff and built that out until, um, you know, the point where now we have 60 folks and my whole job is biz dev, sales, marketing, and that kind of thing. So it's been an incredible ride. Um, but, you know, it all kind of started from not being a good programmer. Okay. How about you, Sarah? How'd you get to where you are? Yeah, so I had a career in marketing, long career in marketing, and I really thought, you know, I loved marketing. I love what I was doing, but I kept seeing burnout, overwhelm, stress, like just affecting everybody I ran into clients, vendors, customers, like everybody was, you know, I would say, how are you busy? That was always the answer. And so being a long student of productivity, I thought this is something that I feel like I have to do. This is something that I feel like I am, I'm like actually called to help people with this burnout epidemic that we're now faced with. And so fast forward, I decided, I just decided to start my company um, because I just felt like that was, that was my role. That was something I was, I was meant to do. How about you, Candace? So I was originally going to go to New York and be the stockbroker and live the life and do the whole, you know, like fast track thing. And then, um, you know, you meet somebody, you fall in love and here you are. And I wouldn't change it. Um, but I ended up figuring out, you know, that I could teach accounting and finance instead of being the broker. So I was working like as an adjunct. And then I really fell in love with the opportunity to improve somebody's life. That's what it was. And first it was, you know, like instructing, you know, you're helping them figure out how to get through the book and the test. And then it was seeing the struggle of people figuring out which direction do I go and how do I develop as a professional? And I don't know what a resume is and, and interviewing is, I mean, it's still so nebulous today, even people that do it all the time, you don't know what they're going to ask and you have to grow as a person and you have to grow in your own brand. Um, and so the division at the college allows us to be creative, which is amazing and flexible to figure out how do we meet students where they are and, and give them everything they need to create a pathway forward. Um, and so, you know, I'm not in New York, I'm in South Jersey of all places and that's okay because I'm really doing um, exactly what I'm meant to do. Okay, you know, we, we live these days, we live in a society, we're full of hashtags. And I, I use hashtags on LinkedIn, we all we are hashtag. And, and the one hashtag that always cracks me up, because I think sometimes these people are just full of shit, is when they hashtag love my job, or blessed. I'm like, do you really have to say that? I don't, I don't understand that. But let me ask you, 
what is gratifying to you about your job? Like me, I love interviewing people. I love finding out stories, you know, whether it's business people or celebrities. And Jay, you know, you, you're a very good interviewer. You know, you, 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 I'm sure you love interviews because you're posting so much content. But what, for your job, for your day job, like what you do, Jay and Candace and uh, Sarah, what do you find gratifying? And we're, we'll start with you, Candace, because you work with What's gratifying about your job when you go, well, not that you're like, this is what I like about my job. What's gratifying to you about your job? So when I run into a student at a networking event, it's the best feeling in the world because like I've helped them get through their graduation process. You know, they had an internship, helped them get their first job. And then when I'm still out networking, right, looking for companies that want to take interns and all the things and you run into a student and you're like, oh, my gosh, you're working at one of these local companies. You have your degree and you are successful. That is that's like the full circle, um, you know, and then the day to day is companies are constantly looking to hire skill skilled workers and students are looking to get out of retail and restaurant and we need them where they are now, but they want to get on the career path. And so if I make that connection, I've helped people are happy and you know, I'm, I'm then satisfied because I, I helped in the process of doing it. Okay. How about you, Sarah? What, what is gratifying what you do? So every day I love when the light bulb goes off for a client and they, and they get it and they see an opportunity to do something differently because so often we're stuck in the weeds of our work and we just feel like we have to do it this way. This is the way we've always done it. We get stuck. And that moment of people often say to me, you gave me permission. And I just got the chills. Cause I feel like that's such a moment where I I give people permission. I give them this opportunity to do things a different way and what that can mean for them. So I love having that happen in the moment, but then also love when a few weeks have gone by and they come back to another session and say, remember a few weeks ago, we tried this, I implemented this and that made a huge shift for me. And ultimately that meant I could go to the kid's soccer game. I could be home to make dinner. I could enjoy and be present on date night with my spouse. Like those moments are the most gratifying for me. Like actually seeing how much uh, my company's able to help people. How about you, Jay? What's gratifying for you? I'm going to go the other side, um, not the client side, because there's there's plenty of stuff that's gratifying there. But I, I think over the years running the business, I think what I really, really found that I enjoy is putting people in a position to succeed and then watching them coaching them and just like seeing them like be their best in whatever role we have them in at our company and like being able to protect my team and you know that comes in various forms but like just making sure that everybody um you know has a job that they appreciate and they feel appreciated at like it's something that's i never really i didn't set out that you know to be my goal but um I think the most gratifying piece for me is just just watching those people really just kick ass at things that they're good at. And, you know, obviously, on the flip side, having clients be happy with us and deliver and solve their problems. But really, for me, I think the biggest thing is, is just our people and growing and, and, and you know, succeeding in, in their life is, is really cool for me. Okay. So I, I was at a networking event a while ago and someone said to me, yeah, hi, Steve. Yeah. We, we heard about you, Steve Cooper, I, you know, and they introduced me and I was like, oh, good. I hope they didn't say I was a dick. You know, I, I hopefully they said it was nice, but what, what is something that you would like to, what's a 
how would you like someone to describe you? Let's say, you know, you're at an event and someone said, Hey, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta meet Sarah. And, and then they, and then they say, because how would you want someone to describe you? Not how you would describe yourself. Cause that's always different. I see people who say, you know, I'm an expert when they're full of crap, but how would you describe yourself? Like Sarah, how would you want someone to describe you when they're promoting you? They're trying to, you know, recommend you to someone. That's a great question, Steve. I love that. I want to be helpful. I, I hope people think I'm helpful. I hope that's how they describe them. But also the the term that I actually love when someone says to me is, it seems like you get me. It seems like you understand me. So I would love for people to say, she just gets it. Because there's a lot of, to your point, experts out there, and they have all these solutions and tools and all these things that we can do. I want to be helpful to people in the real world, in the life they're actually living, which means the tools and the systems and the processes, it's different for everybody. So I want to be able to be you know, relatable. I want to make sure that I can understand people and, and make them feel like I, I got them, I get them, I understand, and we can have some solutions that'll work for them. So I, I want to be relatable, helpful, and I want to, I want to understand them. How about you, Jay? I think it's a great answer, Sarah. Um... I would say similar, uh, a problem solver, you know, because in our space, like that is what we get brought in to do most of the time. Um, and again, I, I hope people talk about my team before they talk about me. They're like, this guy has an amazing team. He, you know, that, that speaks more to me, I think. And I'd be more proud of that because that is something that I work really hard to build and maintain. So if they're talking about how great our team is and our work is and our you know communication and just how great it is to work with us um i would be really proud of that you know recommendation how about you candace i think um i would like for people to say that i'm the the one that will walk you in so the college is is huge right we have a cumberland campus gloucester campus and we're merged somewhat with the premier partnership with rowan university and then we have a few hundred um, really close employer partners. And so when I meet people, I usually have the answer for what they're looking for somewhere, right? So I can either bring you into the college in either county. I know somebody at the university and you could need anything, but I probably can find the one or two people that are gonna pick up the phone, answer the email, accept the invite. And then because I'm also talking to employers all the time and working really hard to maintain a good relationship with them, you know, I meet people who don't need anything from the college, but they need something from someone else that I know. Um, so I really hope that people see me as as someone who will truly make the connection for you or get you to where you need to go. Okay. So in our everyday lives in, in business, we run into obstacles. And I think a lot of times, especially now in the age of social media, which we'll get to later, people, they fake it till they make it, or, or they, they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to ask for help because it makes them feel weak, I think, which I think most people will help. What's an obstacle that you have encountered in the last year and how did you overcome that? Because it, it surprises me when you when you talk to someone and they go, oh, I, I should have done this. It's like, I know that person. I could have introduced you. You could have asked and they go, I don't, I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be, you know, and it's like, and the thing is, if you're in a good relationship in the business thing, no one's ever a bother. You know, you can tell people, I have one yeah. guy who keeps sending me emails. I keep unsubscribing. I keep getting emails and now that becomes a bother. And I'm like, stop it. But what's an obstacle? And we'll start with you, 
Candace, what's an obstacle that uh, that you've encountered in the last year, and and how did you overcome that in business, not 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 personal? So I haven't overcome it yet. So maybe this is a good way to ask for help. <laughs> um, my my hardest thing is being able to tell enough people at at one time what I'm looking for, right? So we're looking to connect with employers, right? So we have to send the email and we have to do the marketing campaign and I have to go to all the networking events. I would love for somebody to say, <clears throat> come in to a chamber or an event and talk to 40 or 50 people at a time, right? And so I'm not sure how to make that ask. Um, I'm looking at inviting everybody here, you know, but that's a huge, that's a huge creation of an event you know, for the college. Um, I would like to be able to get in front of more than, you know, the five or six people I meet at every event, right? Because the time efficiency, and Sarah, maybe you can help me with it. It's not as effective or as efficient to go to all of the different chamber and the different events and meet people. I needed to just speed up a little bit for me so that I can get the awareness out there faster, more globally, and then start working the relationship down because they understand from the bigger picture who we are and what we're trying to do uh, in South Jersey. Okay, and how about you, Sarah? What's an obstacle that you've you've sat there because I've I've known you for a while and you know, you've you're, I've seen your company build. Um, what is an obstacle that you have overcome, and and how did you do that? I'll say similar to Candace. I think that there's times where I overcome this, and then there's times I get a little bit sucked back into it. And I think as a coach, as a speaker. What's interesting is I'm often helping people with things I need to remember myself. <laughs> so oftentimes I need to, to take some of my own medicine, drink my own Kool-Aid a bit. And so for me, it, it's a busyness problem. It becomes something where I, I take on a little bit too much that month. We we say yes to too many things. And then that that ebb and flow of scaling, you know, like Steve, thank you for that. But the business has grown tremendously since its inception. And because of that, we're always trying to make sure we're balancing. Can we deliver to clients with exceptional value that we have promised without burning out our own team? Because that's really critical. So that balancing act of doing the two, and there's months and weeks, it's, it's easier than other times. So just a challenge of, we always have to be checking in on ourselves and our teammates to make sure that, are we good? Have we taken on too much? Can we deliver on what we promise? So that busyness trap, as I call it, is something that's just, it's present. And I always want to make sure that we're on top of it instead of getting trapped inside of it. So it's a problem that, that comes and goes for sure. Okay, how about you, Jay? I'm glad you picked me last. So I had time to think about it. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I think the probably the biggest one, and and to Candace's point, like I, you know, it's maybe not fully solved yet. But um, when you sit down to do marketing stuff, and Sarah, I'm sure you know this, uh, you start to realize all the things you don't know about who you are or your company or like what you do and like how you, it's a lot of soul searching. And we engaged with a marketing consultant, you know, probably about a year ago, and um, just figuring out who we were was a big deal. And it's like, you know, you mm -hmm. got to start with your customer and start with I mean, all, the, all the traditional kind of business things. And I don't have an MBA. I just kind of figured it out as I went. And, um, you know, we were successful for years, but it was like, until we really sat down and figure out, right, we're not going to do everything for everybody. Who are our customers? What's the biggest cross section? Who are we serving? What are their pain points? You know, and who are we? Like what, do, and it all kind of cycles back into itself, which kind of helps the sales, which helps marketing, which helps all the, you know, kind of pieces of the business together once you figure that stuff out. So I think 
um, working through and identifying and uh, funny enough, uh, I have a podcast called the first customer. So uh, Steve was on. Uh, so for me not to have known exactly who my customer was while having that podcast is kind of ironic, but um, you know, we figured that out and it has just kind of unlocked the next level for us where we know who we're going after. We know how to reach them. We know their pain points. We know all the things we need to be doing and just kind of figuring out who we were, I think is the biggest obstacle we have. Now, earlier I asked you what you would want people to say about you. And I always wonder, and I've never asked this question. It just popped up in today when I was thinking, what should I ask? Because I always do it at the last minute and I just write this shit down. And I go, okay. And I always say, a lot of the questions are the same. You just phrase them different. And, you know, it's all the same thing. That's why I just think about being an expert. You just, you wing it. Introvert or extrovert? I, I am an introvert. And believe it or not, people don't believe that. I'm one of those people that, you know, my whole life, and I'm, I'm not, I've known a lot of people, you know, through entertainment, stuff like that. But I've never... I don't go out and meet people. I mean, I, I, I was good in business development. I suck at sales because I'm not extroverted. I don't want a cold call. That's not my personality. I'm the type of person that goes to an event and I'll just chill. And when I meet someone who's cool, then I'll talk to them and then it opens up. You see, oh, you, this person is, and there's introvert or extrovert. And I am, I consider myself an introvert. What do you consider yourself, Sarah, and why? So I, it's a really funny question. I am an introvert at the end of the day, meaning I need to rest and unwind and recharge as an introvert. Like I need that alone time to take a break, but I can be an extrovert very easily. So during the day, when I'm at an event, when I'm speaking, I do a lot of keynote speaking. I meet a ton of people. I love that. But I realize that I recharge, which I think is a really important part of that question is how do I recharge? How do I reset? That's as an introvert. How about you, Jay? Um, I think I mean, I'm an introvert, but I think having a business, you have to be an extrovert. Like nobody's going to sell for you. Nobody's going to, you know, uh, write checks for you that you know, just because you're a nice guy, like you have to get out there. You have to, you know, sell yourself. So your, I mean, people are buying you, not your, your product. Right. So if you're not out there, as the face and people don't know who you are. Um, so yeah, I'm introvert hundred percent. I have to thank my wife for it. Cause she, and ironically, I think the roles have switched over the years. Like now she's like, no, I don't want anybody over. I just want to hang out here with the kids. Uh, she's been the extrovert that kind of pulled me out of my shell uh, over the years. How about you, Candace? I'm an extrovert. I like want to be at all the things, talking to all the people, introducing, um, you know, connecting people, students running events and um that's what actually makes me keep going that is my charge is like oh i've got somewhere to go some people to talk to gonna meet these people here gonna do this over there and all the time like i'm i'm usually like really ready to go i mean i do relax um and take some vacations but for the most part i gotta get up in the morning and i i that's where my purpose is. Like, who am I going to help today? What am I going to do? And I'm like, bam, 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 bam. And my schedule's pretty, um, pretty packed. Last Thursday, I went to three events in one day, and uh, that wiped me out. Though it did. <laughs> that was probably like, too much. Okay, so let's talk about business, about rejection and failure, and when something bad happens. And you know, I, I used to get devastated. Like, if I had a crappy set doing comedy, uh, even if it was 
okay, I would be like, oh, I should have done this. And then if I had an audition and if I, if I walked out and I feel like I didn't nail it, I'd be like, oh, I'd sit there and I'd, I'd mope, not mope, but you know how it is. You're like, you feel rejected. When you have a bad day, when something bad happens in your business, how do you rebound? Because so many people don't know how to rebound. I used to be like, oh yeah, people go, oh, let's shake it off, go get a drink. But then one drink and end up two and then three and I'd be like, oh, I'm wasted. Uh, uh, shit, I just blew tomorrow, I'm hungover. But what, how do you deal with when something bad happens, what do you do? Is it is it working out? Is it listening to music? What is it? And we'll start with you, Jay. What do you do when you something goes wrong for you at work? Or even let's say you wanted to get this big guest for your podcast and you get that letter that says, I'm not interested, which I know we go through and we get pissed off. But wh- how do you deal with that? Nobody ever turns me down, Steve. Everybody <laughs> says yes to my podcast. Um, I don't have time to like do that i have five kids i have one on the way i got every fucking problem you can imagine from diapers to you know college uh so i just don't have the t- something distracts me like there's like no like i mean of course like a you know, bad deal happens but i'll talk to my wife about it and then like i don't know the the dog will shit in the middle of the living room or something right like i don't have like there's no there's literally no time and it's like, even it's the business, right? There's people asking me stuff. I'm doing it. There's a million projects going on. So I think it's the same thing I tell my 18 year old son who just broke up with his girlfriend for like, they've been together for years. I'm like, you got to do stuff. Like if you're distracted, you will move on. Like things will change. You know, and it's just, it's just natural for me to do that. And I think that's, that's how I move on. How about you, Candace? Wait, hold on a second. Jay, five kids? five kids and then number two, i have three boys and three girls come february so. oh wow that's like a brady bunch of shit I she love said it. we're done i said i'll have we'll do seven she's like no this is it so we'll see. go for nine get a baseball team you know a yeah, college softball well. team you can might coach well. them it'll be yeah. great that's uh right. candace how about you so i um i actually had a professional um executive coach for a while and um that was like my go-to thing because you want to like you don't need therapy, right? But you do need to vent and your family and friends are like tired of hearing it because it's your same old like mantra and they can't help you. Um, So I actually have a couple of good friends because I actually went and got licensed in executive coaching so I can help people that way too. But a couple of people on my speed dial where like I text them like, okay, today's that day where I'm going to be calling, which one of you can like talk to me? And then that is actually the, like the oxygen mask to know that I have like someone that's going to let me vent, be that sounding board and ask me the right questions like to reset. Um, and it's, they have a gift. Like if you, um, if you have a coach in your life, again, it's not therapy. It's not all the things from your past that are haunting you. It's I'm in this today and I need to walk through how to, how to deal with this so I can move on tomorrow. Like, tomorrow the very next day you have to get up and do it again um and so i have like four or five people that they're not necessarily my friends right like i trust them because we have a good relationship but we don't hang out and stuff but i call them and they know exactly what i need to think through so that i can just get that day off me figure out my own solution and move forward how about you sarah yeah, I, I actually love what both Candace and Jay said. And I, I think there's things that I draw from both of those, certainly. One is an appropriate amount of time to be mad, upset, pissed, like whatever that is. Um, I once had a client say to me, and she said, am I allowed to be emotional at work? 
And I was like, what? It, it feels so strange. And I think we have to be a little bit emotional. We have to be a little bit of a, having a reaction, but we also have to know what's the appropriate amount of time to process that and then put it on the shelf and be done with it and get it out of your way. So Candace, I love that um, so much because I think we got to process this stuff. We got to talk to people about it, but there might be the appropriate person. Maybe your spouse doesn't want to hear it anymore, but also to be able to deal with it and, and get on with it. And I think one of the ways that I've done that is just that it's, it's just not that personal and it's not because they didn't like me as a person, or it could have been that the budget ran out or the timing isn't going to work or whatever reason. But I think removing that personality from it and just saying, it's, it's just not about me <laughs> takes mm -hmm. me out of it, takes some of the emotion out of it. It's a business decision. And that's why it didn't work out for that, for that reason. So I think that's been a tremendous help for me. Okay. Now I've met you all through LinkedIn or networking and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we all network. It, it's, it's something people do now, whether it be in person, like Candace said, you went to three events or, or if it's just a, you know, zoom call or a zoom meeting, I would run coffee with Cooper. People would come and that's how I met you, Sarah. And, uh, networking to me has been, you know, it's about getting relationships, but lately I, I honestly, I think networking is becoming about popularity. I think it's becoming like fucking high school. To be honest, I think it's like people sit there, they go and they go, well, they want to be seen. They want to wear a nice suit. And it's like, you, first of all, you're not going to impress me. I've interviewed huge stars. Okay. I'm not going to get impressed by someone who sells copiers. Okay. Nothing against copier salesmen. I sold fax when I got out of college, but I couldn't sell copiers because I had a Fiero and they wouldn't fit in there. And if you people are too young, a Fiero is a little two seater that I got, got an 86. Okay. I'm aging myself, but I think, I think. Networking has become like a popularity contest sometimes. And I think people just go and they, they want to be seen and they go to, I mean, you know, Candace, you have to go to events. Okay. Cause that's your job. And some people don't, and some people go to all these events and they go, Oh, look, I'm here. I'm here with this person. And do you think it's become a popularity contest or am I just being skeptical? There is still great networking. You will meet people. You will meet great people at events, but I think a lot of people I don't think they were ever popular. And it sounds awful to say, because now in their older age, they go, oh, wow, you know, I'm in with a cool click. I'm like, yeah, someone said that at an event with me one time. They're like, oh, we're sitting at the cool table. I'm like, what are you, Fonzie? Like, no, you're not, it's it's a networking event. We're not, you're not gonna steal my lunch money, which someone did when I was younger and I got back at them. But uh, what do you think it's becoming a popularity contest? And we'll start with you, Candace, because you go to a lot of networking and be open. I, you know, you know, no one's going to sit there and go, we don't want to talk to Candace because she thinks we're popular. But do you think it's become a popularity contest at times? Not all the time, but at times. Um, A little bit, yeah. Be, not just because of, you know, people are dressing really nice, partly to be noticed because, you know, it's if you look like you're put together, you know, there's a trust factor that at least appears to be there. Um, but you know, people hang out with the same people all the time and they're talking and they're always in pictures, you know, and doing that. And I want to be in the pictures too, but I also make myself sit at tables with people that I don't know sometimes. And it's, it's a force. And even as an extrovert, I have to tell myself, okay, like I want to go sit with them, but I can call them on the phone and talk to them later. I need to go actually sit at a table where I only know one person or I don't know anybody at all and do my job, right? Because it's actually not just seeing your friends and catching up with people you know and hoping for them to introduce you. It's it's 
scanning the room, looking at the list of who's going to be there. Like, why am I going to this networking event and what am I really looking for? Um, and a good, a good book is Vanessa Van Edwards, The Science of People, tons of free resources, but she talks you through all different kinds of ways to make the job of networking a little bit easier. Um, so I read her and I download her content um, to force myself, you know, to do the thing that I'm supposed to is meet new people and present and pitch, you know, what I'm offering. How about you, Sarah? Do you think there's a lot of a uh, popularity now? Like it's like, hey, you know, it's like I don't know what roller skating used to be. I, I don't know an analogy. I mean, you know, I mean, what do you what do you think? I had not thought of this until you said it, and now that you say it, I think maybe, yeah. I would. I, I had not given that any thought before just now. Um, I do think there is such a push when we're in that moment to take the picture, to post it, to make sure we're connected so we can tag each other. So maybe that is, maybe social media really is playing a large role in why it's starting to feel like that. Um, but no, I hadn't thought of it. Now I've got something to go to later today and I feel like I'm going to be paying more, more attention to that, certainly. But I, I do think there's a more of a seen and be seen. And I think to Candace's point, we... To someone who might be uh, somebody who knows other people in the room, it is such a testament to making sure that we're welcoming the people that don't know anybody. Because we've all been the person who doesn't know someone. We're brand new in the group. But what a statement, Candace, to make sure that we are being the ones who are inclusive and not exclusive at the at the popular table if we're grateful enough to be there. So I love that. <laughs> How about you, Jay? Um, the popular table thing for sure. I think people have a, you know, a yearning to be cool. I will say that I think in general, just the way the algorithm works for social media, especially LinkedIn, um, you know, I think people, I, I tag people that I'm in and with pictures and stuff. So I get on other people's feeds. So I expose them to my brand and to my whatever. Um, I don't necessarily do it for popularity, but I guess there could be some sort of crossover there where like you know some people are doing that because they want to be popular i want to do it because i want to get more business right i mean that's it's mm -hmm. very very honest like that's why i do it is to go out and to, to meet people that to network and to find new opportunities um and learn and learn new things i mean you learn new things from people all the time i learned you know stuff from steve when he was on my podcast um but i will i'll go to an event like if i don't know anybody i'll set a goal for myself to give out 10 cards right and i'm not doing that to be popular i'm doing that because again i want to meet people that are like-minded or because they may be a client or whatever um I, th I certainly think it exists um but i also think it's the environment we're in like that you get you get you know paid basically to do that to be more popular to get more followers to do these things is like if i can post one post and that goes to fifty thousand feeds because of that's how many cross sections of people I have together, then like I'm, I do much better than if I have 5,000. So it's just, it's kind of the, the place we're in, I think. Well, I think it's funny is I, when I mean popular, I, I mean, trying to be popular, like 
the hip room. I don't mean like, I know, because we all want, we do social media to get noticed. I think some people just do it for the wrong E. Like you have the sure. perfect answer, Jay. I'm there to do business. There's nothing wrong to say, because that's why we go to networking. I mean, think about it. If someone says, hey, do you want to go to a networking event or do you want to go to dinner with your wife? Well, I want to go to dinner with my wife. I'll be honest, if I'm going to spend money, I'd rather sit down and eat with Joanne than sit there and have to deal with, you know, a bunch of people I see a lot and some people I really like and a few assholes. And just, you know, none of your people who try to be popular because the people who try to be popular will never be on this show okay you guys right. all are good networkers and you do what you do and that will lead to the next question what makes you a good networker sarah what makes you a good networker i think this relates to one of my other answers earlier i just want to be helpful i want to know how i can help you i want to make good introductions meaningful introductions i'm never gonna spam two people and say, Hey, you guys should could talk and, and leave it at that. Cause I hate when people do that for me, but intentional and, and being thoughtful about, you know, Jay should meet Candace and here's why, and being intentional and actually being helpful. I also think what's helpful in networking is to just keep good notes on people. So I use a CRM and for me, it's just very helpful to keep track of those small things. You know, there's, there's so much going on, but I want to remember that I need to ask about your child who was ill or your new puppy or whatever's going on in your life. I want to make sure that I can remember and make that stronger personal connection. So so for me, it's all about quality over quantity and being helpful with those intentional connections. How about you, Jay? What makes you a good networker? Um, probably because I've seen so many bad ones. Uh, you know, we I think we talked about it before. Like, part of being a good salesperson is trying to help your client, right? And you really genuinely feel that, but. People who are networking events and saying they're just trying to help when they're just trying to, you get that feeling of just like, you know, being very disingenuous. Uh, I think just seeing that over the years has helped me be more genuine and be more myself and be more just like trying to, again, like I'm very honest about why I'm at these places. I'm trying to meet like people that can help me and then I can, you know, if there's reciprocal, like it works best when you can help both sides, right? If you're, if you're the only one providing value and there's nothing back to the other side, what are, what are you doing? Right. So it's, it's going with a goal, going with an idea of who you're trying to meet and just like being a real human being and not trying to like put on some like Sandler sales, you know, kind of training front that you think is going to get you business. Like just being a real person has been much more beneficial to me. Before I ask you this, Candace, you know, I, I met I met you, Candace, at a uh, Chamber of Commerce event at the Terranova restaurant, and I still remember you sat next to me, and I ordered the tilapia, and she ordered the, the chicken parm, and the chicken parm looked so much better than my tilapia, and you actually asked me if if I wanted to switch dishes, so I said, this person's a good networker, but what, <laughs> so that's why I know you're a good networker, because you're like, that damn chicken parmesan was good, I, I was, I, I, I didn't switch, but I was like, my tilapia, the risotto was sort of shitty, but, uh, what what makes you a good networker? So I usually do a pretty good job at researching before I go, just because I do this all the time. So I look at like who's running the event, right? And like, what are they doing at the event? You know, because sometimes they're social, right? Like if you go to Top Golf, you're not doing business. You are there to have fun. You're hanging out with people. It's a good time, but it's not really going to lend to like the conversation. If you're going to Tyler Ardern's, you know, Death of the Fox, 
that's super chill and like everybody is just in a good mood. And so I know that there's going to be new people there and they just want to talk. The goal is just talking, you know? So when I think about where I'm going to go, am I sitting there listening to a panel for a couple hours? I'm out. Like, I love the content, but because I have to do it so much, if it's a, if it's like two hours and it's a panel, I know you have networking ahead of time, but it, it's early in the morning and it just doesn't seem to work out. Right. So I, I kind of look at like, if I'm going to spend the time, what am I going to get out of this in addition to who's going to be there, but what are we doing while they're there? That'll really kind of dictate, you know, if I know I'm going to get something out of it. Right. Or looking at the list, like the CCSNJ sends you the list ahead of time of who's going to be there. I look for how many people I know, and then I look for, you know, where they work. I scope them out on LinkedIn. That's what you're supposed to do. And then I, I figure them out a little bit and I go in and I listen, right? So I will give you my elevator pitch and ask you a bunch of questions and then try to feed off those questions and then bring it back to you because I don't know you or what you have to offer. Um, but I'm trying to listen, you know, to pick up on key things, like you said, Sarah, so that you can remember, and it's not disingenuous, but in the first round, you have to be a really good listener because that's what people want. They want to be heard. They want to be validated and acknowledged. Um, you know, and so I want to be able to do that so that I can provide the best solution if they need me. Some people don't. Good. And we're going to talk about LinkedIn. And uh, I always like, I like Jay, I like your LinkedIn for first customer podcast. It's a person on the rocket. It's, it's, it's basic, but it, I remember it and it's, it's good. You, you remember, you go, this is cool looking. Now I always, I always bring up what we don't like about LinkedIn. And I always bring this up cause I'm, I'm a skeptic. And uh, my thing irking me this week is uh, insincerity in posts. Like people just sit there, they like everything. They'll put a post like, oh, we had the most beautiful time at this wonderful event. Nobody talks like that. I don't sit there. I went out for sushi with my wife for my birthday last week. I didn't sit there and go, oh, Joanne, this was most the most glorious sushi at this most wonderful restaurant. I go, no, this is really good. But that's what bothers me, the insincerity and the over-liking. A lot of times people just, you keep like, 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 and you go, this person likes a lot of stuff. So it comes, it sounds like a Seinfeld thing, the over-liker. It's like you sit there and you, <laughs> to me, it becomes, in, it, it doesn't seem sincere. And, but what don't you like about LinkedIn? Like what's something that irks you, Candace? And be open if there's, if, if you love LinkedIn, that's fine. Say, Steve, LinkedIn is a utopia. I mean, that's fine you can say that, but tell me if something, uh, does anything just irk you about LinkedIn? I do love LinkedIn. Um, so I will admit that. I don't like the, um, you know, I do get some spam or I get people who will, connect and write the personal note, but there's, they're like nowhere near here. There's nothing that we can really do together, you know? And so I don't understand why they're wasting their time, um, you know, because we're not, we're not close by at all. Um, so I feel like, you know, I, I just read that and then I feel guilty for not responding, but then it's like, there's really no point. And, and that just gets in my head a little bit. Um, but I also think that, there is going back to the popularity thing. There's a lot of pictures. There's a lot of write up about stuff and it's cool to see those pictures, but what do I do with that? Right. There's no action item really at the end of, of all of those posts. And so, um, and it also, it's like the panel at the event. I, I want to do a workshop. I want to come out of there having learned something for myself and met some people. And so I feel like 
since we're not all writing for LinkedIn with the newsletters and the stories and those kind of things, um, what can I learn from your post, right? So if you can educate me on something like quickly, and there's a lot of people that do, um, but the ones that don't, where it's just like, look at me and I did this awesome thing and there's nothing for you to do for it, but thanks for watching. I'm like, <laughs> what do you want me to do with that? You know, and, and there's nothing to do. So that's probably, there's a lot of stuff like that on there. Okay. How about you, Sarah? I'm with Candace a hundred percent. I love LinkedIn for so many reasons. I'm grateful to LinkedIn. My business has grown because of LinkedIn. Um, yeah. however, this, the spam coming into the inbox is out of control. I gotta say, and I appreciate when someone, even if you're trying to sell me something, takes the time to get to know me a little bit. So some of these emails and then to email again and say, you didn't respond. I'm just putting this back to the top or I'm just circling back with you. I'm like, I didn't invite you in here. Like, stop making this my problem. To Candace's point, you start to feel guilty because you're not responding yeah. to people. But at the same time, like I didn't, I didn't ask for this. And so I think there's I, I would hope there's some parameters starting around um, control of spam because it really is. That is the part of the platform that I just think, oh, I don't have time to get through all of this spam that's in there. Now on the posting side, I think there's a lot of great stuff happening. And I also love Candace's point of making things actionable is great. I am a woman of action and I always want to make sure people know like what to do with this. So I, I love that you brought that up, Candace, but I think my answer is very similar. Okay. How about you, Jay? Well, to your point, not it's not even like the annoying post. It's the fact that it has like two thousand people who liked that thing that you said. Like who, like who is liking all these posts that like make no sense and that are just like these cookie cutter, like insincere, over the top, like look what I did kind of thing. And I mean, it is, uh, it's very much a you know, feedback loop to yourself on LinkedIn. Like a lot of people are just there to talk about how great they are or the accomplish they made or like whatever. I love LinkedIn. Like you guys, it's like, it, it helps grow my business and everything else. And I, I mean, I guess the last thing is just, it feels very dated. Like it does feel like a platform that was made like 10 or 15 years ago. I feel like there's a lot of just like it, you know, uh, functionality and just like the it's information overload there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of just like i would love to have a cleaner kind of newer coat of paint on it even if it was linkedin as it was today and yes the spam is crazy uh sorry if i sent you spam at some point but uh, i definitely do outreach on linkedin so uh every time because I, I used to say the same thing but then i, I like i started to do outreach on linkedin and i'm like well you know you're going to hit some people that aren't your intended target and, you know, the whole kind of goal is to stay top of mind. And it is very annoying. And I get a million of them a day because I'm a podcast host and a business owner. So it's like I get twice as much crap from like two different places and two different industries. But um, yeah, I think just the platform itself could use um, you know, kind of a 2.0 feel to it. It's just it's very, if you were Facebook back, you know, in the early 2010s. All right. Go ahead, Candice. I have a question since we're on social media. Only recently did every single person on my LinkedIn suddenly ask to join me on my Facebook. N never. And then very recently, did that happen to anybody else? Not to me, and but all I, I these used... people showed up on my Facebook and they want to be friends. And See, I'm like, I, I, I used to never let people 
uh, add people on Facebook uh, because my Facebook content is very different than my business. So it's a lot different. of it's a lot of humor. It's a lot of stuff like that. So it's different. <laughs> but I think that's just happened. But uh, but hopefully you know hopefully it, it will stop because it is a pain because some people you don't want you don't want them you know they're not friends they're business they don't need people. to see pictures of my kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now here's a question, and I always ask this question, and Candace beat me to it but so we're going to come to you last no it's not your fault i always ask someone and i I preface this by saying i'm not a i'm not a business book reader it does not interest me i like entertainment i like dirt you know i like i can read a book Mm -hmm. about a rock star especially if i'm going to interview him and i'll be like and even then i don't read it because i don't want to take away from the interview but i love hearing like you know the unauthorized kitty kelly of frank sinatra because the stories are so good that's the kind of crap i read but when it comes to business books, and you're going to have to give me a different one when I get to you, Candace, what's a business book that you've read recently or in the past that has helped you and that you could recommend to someone? And we'll start with you, Sarah. Yeah, so I have it behind me on my shelf here because it's just something I reference often. It's called Rocket Fuel. And this book was a real game changer for me because the book describes the difference between a visionary and an integrator. So often at work, we have these types of people. We have visionaries and we have integrators. And visionaries are the people who think of all the ideas. They're always on the go. They're always brainstorming. They're coming up with new stuff. But then you have the integrators, which are the people who actually have to execute all those ideas and do that work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm an integrator. And back in my marketing career, I worked with a very visionary CEO. And he is a dear friend of mine to this day. But the moment that our relationship got so good, was after I read this book because I stopped thinking, I wish he would be different. I wish he would execute some of this stuff. I wish he would do some of the work. I stopped thinking that because I realized he's never going to do that. That's not the role that he's meant for. That's not the role he's in. We're actually really strong partners because he gets to go out and think of all these things. And I'm the integrator. Fast forward to today, I have a business partner Um, I have another LLC called Super Productive, and we do certain projects together. And Jeff is my visionary, and I am his integrator, and we know this. That's the strength of our business. And so that book just completely solidified for me because I stopped trying to make people do things differently or think of the way that I thought about it and do it the way that I would do it. And just I really recognized them for the role they're in, the way their brain works, the way they like to operate, and how that actually is the strength of our relationship. So can't recommend Rocket Fuel enough. Okay, how about you, Jay? I'm a huge books guy, Audible. I can't, I feel like I can't read anymore. I sit down to like read a book and I'm like, I can't even get through this. But like, I I just like, it shoots right through my head to the other side. Uh, But I'm a huge Audible guy. And I also do Blinkist as well, which is like Cliff Notes for audiobooks, which is like a good kind of, five to 10 minute recap of some of these books. If you ever want to read them, you kind of hop in and it will give you the, you know, the, the key points and stuff. Um, and spoiler alert, all business books are basically the same. Um, they all kind of go back to the same points from like, you know, every five years they like rewrite it basically as a new version, but um, uh, fanatical prospecting was a really uh, kind of kick in the pants for me just because it, um, it, kind of teaches you to get back out there. You know, it talks a lot about cold calling, which I'm like you, Steve, like I would rather, you know, jump off a bridge than cold call, but it's just a very, um, you know, kind of inspirational book when it comes to like, again, so stuff I said earlier, you're not, nobody's going to sell your stuff for you. Like nobody, like nobody cares 
nobody cares if you you don't have sales or whatever like you have to go out and like find your person find their pain points talk to them get them on a call show them the value um and there's a there's a bunch of other ones um but that's that's probably the main one for now okay how about you Candice? one not the one you gave earlier but one that that you've read recently besides that um so it's called fierce conversations and it's really empowering because when you have to talk to people like outside of the networking right and you have to make critical decisions you have to be able to ask the right questions because what i say is for me but what you hear is for you right like i don't know what how you interpret everything i say and so this book kind of goes through like thinking more about what the listener is going to do with what you just said and then being able to hear that and then be brave enough to to keep questioning right like a lot of times we just want to like okay thanks and then we're off doing the next thing and it's like no we actually need to dissect what we heard put it back together ask more questions because we need clarity um but it can be annoying like you can be that pestering person so she kind of walks you through too on how to be brave enough to like ask those difficult questions because you're trying to get into the weeds and not everybody wants to. But um, but yeah, it's kind of like the art of having those difficult conversations because the more you know today, the easier tomorrow is gonna be, right? You don't have to keep going back and having more meetings and more meetings and more meetings. You can just have really good conversations in like one meeting and get a lot further. Um, and so, so that's been really, a really helpful book um, for me all around. Okay. And here's my final question. I always ask this, uh, you know, my mom always used to term uh, bright eyed and bushy tail. You know, it's when someone's starting out. So if you were to encounter somebody and I can't, as you'd run into this is part of your job, but if you were to encounter someone who was, who was either coming out of college or coming out of high school, trade school, whatever, you know, improv class, whatever. And they wanted their, they wanted to get their career started and they look to you and they ask you they said hey you know what what what's some wisdom what's some wisdom that you can hand to me what would you tell them we'll start with you sarah what's some wisdom you give someone who came up to you and said this is what do i do i would say you don't have a business until you make a sale which is a little bit harsh but you it's a hobby until you can make sales and so i think people get stuck in popularity on social media. They get stuck in building the perfect brand and the perfect website. And we can't launch it until it's perfect. I would say just like get out there and make a sale because as soon as you do that, you can make another sale. And I, I have a term I call compounding productivity, which is more good stuff leads to more good stuff. That's my technical explanation of it. Um, but it's like, you got to get the sales because that's how the business can get can get started. The rest of it can come later. Um, and I think people just lose focus. They get stuck being busy on all these other things that don't matter, but but really focusing in on what matters most to you in that moment, focusing in and getting that stuff done. And I would say focus. That's a that's a really critical point as you're getting started. How about you, Candice? Um, I would say probably to just start working right? Like just get a job, whatever one it is, if it's retail and restaurant and just be committed to showing up for yourself, right? Because work sure is for your employer and you want to do good and you want to be seen and you want to be heard, but you really, you just need to work and do your job and the rest will come later, right? And um, I met a guy earlier this week who's like the business, 
corporate partner um, director for the Eagles. And I wanted to know, I said, how did you get that job? He's younger than me. He said, I started out taking tickets and then I worked in this and then I worked in that. And he just kind of like volunteered to do like every single job that he could. And he just kept working. It wasn't about showing up and being perfect and the best. And like, here's my awesome, amazing resume. Nobody starts there, you know, so just show up and work really hard and get your job done. And that's what people will start to notice that you're dependable because you work. Um, and then eventually, you know, you'll start to make all those moves all the way through and you'll, you'll land where you're meant to be because you worked hard in the process. People will start to want to help you because you keep showing up doing your job. Okay. How about you, Jay? Uh, build your network. Um, kind of a cliche thing to say, especially because when you're in school, you hear about it and you're like, network, network, network. And you're like, you don't really get it, I guess, when you're like, you know, a teenager or high school, college, like it still doesn't make sense. Um, but looking back, I think the biggest exponential jumps I made were because I worked with somebody or knew somebody or met somebody that was like doing something better than I was. And the whole, I totally believe in the circle of five, you know, that you keep around you, if they're better than you, then you're going to be better. If they're worse than you, then you're going to be worse. So like you got to surround yourself with good people, go to networking events, go to chamber of commerce stuff, go to wherever, like meet people, even if you're not a business owner or an entrepreneur, uh, just seeing how other people are, are doing things uh, is very helpful. Well, I want to thank you all for coming on today. Tell people how they get in touch with you. Sarah, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks so much, Stephen. This was a great, love, love this conversation. So my website is so-productive.com for consulting and coaching and then sarahohannison.com for speaking and corporate training. How about you, Candice? Uh, rcsj.edu, that's our, our main um, website for anything you want from the college. But if you want to find me, go on LinkedIn. I do manage um, my chat really, really well because if you... If you email me at the college, it's lost in spam. Um, so look me up on LinkedIn um, and send me a message. Okay. How about you, Jay? LinkedIn, uh, Jay uh, Agner, and then jdaqa.com or jay at jdaqa.com if you want to reach out. How can they find your podcast? Oh, thank you. Firstcustomerpodcast.com or YouTube to search for the first customer. And you'll maybe you'll find Steve's episode where he talked about all sorts of fun stuff in his fun career well i want to thank you guys uh, also you know you can email me the coop tank at yahoo.com if you want to sponsor me or advertise hit me up you know the people who come on my show are top professionals they're shaker and movers in the business world and networking world and the people who watch my show are business people so what a better way to get your brand across than the people that can make a difference for you like these people they can make a difference for you also uh coopertalk.net is my entertainment podcast uh november 18th that's uh saturday november 18th i'll be doing stand up a nice 30 minute set at pizzeria uno in hamilton new jersey it's a new club i got they called me so i'm gonna be doing that also don't forget to sit there and look at sweet recording s-u-i-t-e recording.com reach out to joe hello at sweet recording com. Joe Ganjami knows his stuff. He does a great job. That's why he's a producer of the Coop Tank. So I want to thank you and everyone. You have a wonderful weekend. <laughs>